Uh, good afternoon, everybody. It is December the 5th, Monday, and I'm talking to Peter Harold, the CEO of Poseidon Nickel. Good afternoon, Peter. Good afternoon, Marcus. Uh, now, you've had a very busy couple of months or so. You've got the Bankable Feasibility Study out, and you've got a capital raising. You're in the middle of a share purchase plan, and we have a lot of members emailing, should we take up the share purchase plan at three and a half cents? And of course, the answer to that is yes. But just talk us through the capital raising. You've just raised six million from sophisticated investors, and there's another three million for the share purchase plan. Yeah, and look, that's obviously to fund us through to the uh, f- financial investment decision on the restart, which we're sort of talking about in you know, second quarter of next year as being the timetable for that. Um, let me take you back to the feasibility study first, because obviously that's an important document which drives all of this. So that was released on the 21st of November, and yes, it was late, and uh, but we don't sort of necessarily take any. You know, it, it's it's frustrating because we had planned to have that done in about June of this year, but unfortunately, as everyone knows, the market for people and for um, equipment and for assay results, everything has been pushed out. And so, look, if we'd known that. You know, back when we put the original timetable together, we probably would have said, well, look, allow an extra four months and uh, we'll deliver it in November. But we didn't know that at the time, so we, we pressed on, but we got delays across a number of different things. Uh, you, you've been doing this for years, Pete, and one thing you know for sure, and I certainly know uh, you more than me, is that uh, one of the problems you always have as uh, an explorer or resources company where you've got projects and timelines is that there's uh, a lot of damage done out of not meeting the timetables as far as shareholders are concerned. And uh, you've had delays. Just just give us a bit of detail on why the delays have happened, because it's a, a unique moment in the industry, isn't it? Yeah, look, it certainly is. And it's, it, it starts off with getting drillers and then getting the assay results from the drillers. I mean, you normally have a turnaround of one to two weeks for assay results. It's it's blown out to six to eight weeks, like two months. Uh, and that's if everything goes well. But, you know, they're, they're so understaffed, they can't get people, they haven't been able to gear up, and there's just a massive backlog. So, you know, you're wearing that. That then leads into getting your resource uh, work done. You send all of that data out, or you put together internally your resource model, and that has to be then independently verified by a third party. We, we've been using consultants that have lost their entire group or team of, of, of geologists that have been sucked out of the consulting firm into private industry. So they've had to then find a whole lot of new people. How, how do they do that in a market where there's no one around? So we've had delays like that. We've had, um, it, it just, the list goes on. And it sounds like the dog ate your homework, but it's actually fact. And we've seen this and everyone's in the same boat. And so look, if we'd had our time again, we would have gone back and said, look, this, this market is, it's COVID affected, it's, it's, you know, border closure affected, it's everything affected, it's resources. And we would have, we should have applied, you know, like a 50% blowout, but no, no one thought it was going to last, it was going to be as bad as it was. And it's still going on today. I mean, I've just been told that for the drilling that we're planning from the bottom of the pit to allow eight weeks to get the, the 
the assays. So that's gone from six to eight weeks. So it's got worse, not better. So now we have to factor all these things in. So with our feasibility study being delivered in November, you know, that's meant that we sort of, you know, we, when we raised the money back last year, um, we, we thought we'd have enough money to get us all the way through to a financial investment decision and that we would be making that sometime, you know, before now, sometime, you know, uh, June, July, August of this year. Now, of course, that we couldn't do that because we didn't have the feasibility study, but we've now got that. And so obviously we've had to raise a bit of extra money to get us through to the next stage. You, you did raise another point. One of the other things that's really, um, that also delayed us was cracking the code on the metallurgy. And that, that's been a really critical thing for us. Uh, just, just, just what does that mean, uh, Pete? Okay, so when, when this project was um, was operating previously, which was it, it stopped in two thousand and nine in a much lower nickel price environment, the the previous owners were running into a situation where they were producing a high MGO concentrate. The iron MGO ratio was sort of below two to one. Now that that creates that that means you've got a dirty concentrate. So the nickel grade was okay, but the the amount of MGO talc in the concentrate was high. Now, what that means is that that affects the smeltability of the concentrate in the smelter. It actually creates a, a, a localised heating on the walls of the furnace, and as a result, it reduces the furnace life, and then you've got to shut the furnaces down and rebuild them. Now, that, that can take three to six months and costs, you know, in terms of lost revenue to the smelter, it's, it's in the hundreds of dollars. So they try and run a, a, an iron MGO that's, that's, that's better or a better blend, and so we recognised that we wanted to produce better concentrate than what was being produced towards the end of the operation. So we set about with our metallurgical consultants and, and also our, metal, our project director, David Maxton, to work out how can we actually produce a higher grade concentrate. And we, we ended up using a, a blend of the um, open pit underground material, but more importantly, some tailings. And we put the tailings in uh, to the mix and that actually helps to get the, um, the iron MGO ratio to the right sort of level. We also put a regrind step in. So we've got a regrind mill where we're using one of the old mills to actually grind the concentrate finer. And all of those things have, have if you like, cracked the code or, or given us a metallurgical breakthrough. So we're going to produce a high-grade nickel con, about, about 15%, with an iron MGO ratio of sort of plus five to one, which makes it a very attractable, very attractive material. We went out to the market to get indicative terms and we got payabilities in, in the high 70s. Now, this is a reflection of the metallurgical test work we did. If we if we had used the information previously, we wouldn't have got uh, those uh, terms. Pete, just explain before we go past it, uh, what a 70% payability means to for our members? Well, a higher than 70%. So when, when I first started working in the markets uh, in nickel about 30 years ago, when you sold your concentrate, they gave you somewhere between 50 and 60% of the nickel price. And that other 40% uh, that you didn't get was actually what it cost the smelter to convert the concentrate into nickel metal. That, that over the years has gone up to sort of into the 60s and now into the 70s as the supply demand balance has changed. And obviously the nickel price has improved as well. And that payability is really important because obviously costs have gone up. So the mining costs and the processing costs have increased. And so the, the importance then is is that the there's more of the, the nickel price going to the miner. And that's a critical thing when you're looking at what your total costs are, because you've got to fact you've got to take into consideration that percentage payability. So the higher the percentage payability, the better. 
And the best way to get the maximum percentage payability is to produce a concentrate, which is sought after by the market. So you get a, you know, sort of a, effectively a, a, a competitive bidding situation for that material. Uh, Peter, what point do you uh, nail offtake agreements? Is this the sort of thing that happens before the project go ahead uh, is confirmed or is uh, is this a part of the feasibility study or uh, are you expected to agree with anybody uh, an offtake agreement? I assume you have no uh, uh, concerns about getting those. No, look, we, we went out for indicative uh, non-binding offers as, as part of the process for the feasibility study so we could actually use robust numbers or, you know, numbers which were not assumptions but were actually based on fact. Uh, we, we now, as of today, are going back to those people who put in um, those bids and we're now going to seek um, firm offers. So we're in that next round, which is what we call the firm offers. And then what we'll do is we'll shortlist one or two groups and we'll move forward with them to a final deal, which would be an offtake arrangement, which may or may not include some sort of project financing. So uh, some of our peers, and, and Panoramic is a good example, they have an offtake agreement with Trafigura, uh, which, which kicks in early next year. And that also included, uh, I think, a 45 million US dollar financing. So that's, that's one option for us that we could progress, which would be a, a, an offtake and project financing together. The other option is to have a, a, an offtake arrangement with one group and financing with another. And look, we're open to you know, the best deal for shareholders, which and so that's what we're working on now. Uh, Pete, you make constant references to a 2.2 million tonne per annum or 1.1 million tonne per annum mm -hmm. uh, process. Just to explain the difference between those. Okay, that's a good question. So at the moment, the, the plant is configured so it can max, it can put 2.2 million tonnes through, and that's a combination of a sag mill and a bore mill and then all the flotation and everything that comes after that. When we looked at the restart, we thought we'll, we'll go for a, a smaller project, and so what we're looking at doing is is um, basically derating the plant to a 1.1 million tonne throughput, and that is the basis of the current feasibility study, which is about a $40 million refurbishment job, just under, um, to, to produce um, around about um, seven to 8,000 tonnes a year of nickel and concentrate. So that's our stage one, producing a smelter-grade concentrate, which we talked about, 15% nickel, five to one iron MGO ratio or better. And, and that is, is a combination of open pit, underground and tailing material through the mill. If we go to the full blown 2.2 million tonnes, under that scenario, we'd only have enough material for a couple of years because we're only, you know, there's only uh, X number of tonnes of that material, which is the serpentinite from the open pit and the underground material in the tailings. If we go to the bigger plant, so we've refurbished the full plant, then you need to have obviously more feed. And what we've looked at is can we treat the higher talc material that's in the pit, which is combined with the serpentinite, the lower grade material, and put both of those things through together? And and the answer is that we think we can, but we don't produce a 15% concentrate. We produce a concentrate which has sort of got a 5 to 7% nickel and a much higher iron MGO ratio. So it would be what you would call a, a rougher concentrate, if you like. It's a rougher con because uh, it's coming out of the rougher circuit, but it, it's a rougher con than the, than the other material. So it would 
lend itself to lower payabilities and not being treated by a conventional um, smelter, but through a pressure oxidation or an HPAL plant to produce some sort of intermediate product. And so, but we could produce more nickel per annum because you're putting through double the throughput. So even if you get lower payabilities and it's all about percentages, you know, that may well be a better project for us. And so we, we're obviously studying that as well. Uh, and that, that um, study is well underway. Does that depend on the infill drilling you're doing at the bottom of Black Swan? No, it, that, that drilling we're doing at the moment is to actually extend the current mine life, which is currently, um, well, the project life for the 1.1 million tonne per annum is about four years. And we're looking to increase that by getting more of this um, inferred or in the pit into indicator, which then can be converted into a reserve. So now it's all about stage one. The 2.2, the, 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 the real work that's got to be done there is around the metallurgy so that we can really understand what the specification of the concentrate is going to be so that when we go out to the to the smelters or the, the not so much the smelters, but the, the potential processes that they can give us the right sort of indicative terms that are accurate so that we can finalise the economic modelling of that project. So Pete, after this capital raising, are you confident you're going to get the 3 million through the SPP? Oh, I, I, absolutely. I think historically we've done very well with our SPPs, um, you know, and the last one was heavily oversubscribed. Uh, I mean, obviously it's a function of the of the share price, you know. Um, At the time, dur yeah. yeah. during the time of the, of the SPP. But look, we've got 14,000 retail shareholders and you know we're we're raising money at a at a very low price i mean three and a half cents is not where i was anticipating raising money but we're not we're not actually doing the restart i mean this is this is really funding to get us through to that decision to restart so it's kind of a bit of what i would call an it's an intermediate funding and so as a result it's probably not what people were expecting and certainly what it wasn't what i was expecting sort of nine months ago, but it, we are where we are. We need to fund the business through into next year before we press the button on the restart. And so this is a sort of a, what I would call an interim funding. And so as a result, you know, it's it's priced because, you know, I think the market was seeing that we were chewing through you know, the cash that we had and that we hadn't made a decision to, to restart. And so, you know, there was frustration there. And and I understand that and I and I accept that shareholders have voted with their feet. But what you're getting is a is a very cheap entry into a, a big um, you know, 400,000 tonnes of nickel, two processing plants, a feasibility study which demonstrates, you know, a pretty robust set of numbers based on current spot prices. And and you and the market cap of the company is about $130 million. So, yeah, it's it's relative to our peers. You know, Mincor's market cap is around about 800. Panoramic's about 400. Yes, they're both in production, but they're still only ramping up. You know, we, we, we sneak in, you know, comfortably behind them with a, a fraction of the of the market cap. So I think there's lots of upside for shareholders and but the 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 the, the market is the market and uh, you know we've had to price it uh, to to make sure that we get the funding so that there's the three and a half cents well I I, would... i'm taking up my my entitlement and uh, <laughs> i'm also um taking um some of the placement as well subject to shareholder approval because I, I think it's a, a great buy well i'll give you this idea pete uh looking at it is that there there was a uh sell-off in the nickel price from the middle of this year to yes. the third quarter of this year and your share price uh, did exactly the same as panoramics and uh, everyone else's 
uh, it, it's highly correlated to the nickel price. But in the last, but your delays and uh, the, uh, your feasibility study and the obvious, despite your uh, upbeat tempo of that, the obvious message to some shareholders was delay. And so you've been punished for that share price wise at a time that the nickel price has gone up about 50%. Yes, that's right. Uh, so, so you are now missing out because of this delay. Uh, you are now missing, or shareholders are now missing out on the improvement in the nickel price, which I, I would humbly suggest is largely apart from the demand dynamics of the nickel price. All the commodity, all the metal prices have lifted because the US dollar has precipitously collapsed and uh, all commodity prices have uh, risen. But you have completely missed out on this because of the delay. So the uncharitable emails would suggest that you that something's changed at the project, that yeah. there is uh, uh, some revelation that means it's uh, not viable or something. These are the uncharitable emails. But yes. the truth of the matter is, is that nothing's really changed, has it, except for the timetable? Well, and, and is I that think right? That, correct, because, you know, we and, and also, you know, we were anticipating to basically pull the trigger on the restart, you know, in this quarter. And, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that. So um, there, there's been, you know, um, a need for some additional capital, which would have been, you know, a, a restart capital rather than a sort of interim funding. So, you know, and the market was, I think, anticipating a small raising. So that was factored in as well. So, yeah, we, we, we copped um, a, you know, that sort of, and, and that's fair enough. As I said, I mean, shareholders are, are able to vote with their feet and some shareholders have, have decided to exit stage left. I mean, that's, that, it's a free, free world. You're allowed to do that. But what it's done is it created an opportunity for others. And I think if you're prepared to stay in this story, there's an opportunity now to, to get in. And I always look at market caps. I don't look at so much at share price. I'd say our market cap is, you know, around $120, $130 million today. I mean, that, that is a very insignificant market capitalization for the asset base, right? So let's look at that now. You can argue about, you know, the, the, what the nickel price is going to do. But I look at a lot of small explorers and I see what their market caps are based on, you know, a couple of drill holes and they may or may not, may, may or may not ha have something down the track. We know that we've got a project. The BFS says we have a, um, a viable project. It's a bankable feasibility study. So, you know, it's now we're going to go and bank it, right? And we've done that previously. If the nickel prices stay where they are, that's a, that's a very bankable project. And we can f finance the project with a mixture of debt and equity, which we'll do. And um, it's a restart. So it's close to Kalgoorlie. So, you know, getting people and, um, and getting uh, financiers and all those things should be relatively um, uh, easy is the wrong word, but it's doable and because it is a, t a tight market but that's what we've done before and that's what we that's what we're the, the executive team is is fired up to do and but you know again i do understand shareholders frustration and you know i, I i'm all i'm saying here is that i'm committed <laughs> there's been all those calls about oh pete's retiring and all this sort of carry on it's a load of rubbish i mean basically i'm committed to see this thing through to a restart because 
that's what I'd signed up to when I joined three years ago. And I think, you know, you're in the right market to do that. Uh, and we've got an asset which we can do it with. So that's what we want to do. Now, you know, shareholders have to make a call. They have to read the feasibility study and basically make an assessment on facts, which is in, in that document. There are all, all those things in that document are fact. Everything you read on social media, 95% of it is utter rubbish. Let, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me stop you there. Okay, okay. Any, any listed CEO who takes anything written yes. on social media without a license, without that yes. responsibility, yes. anonymity yes. just needs to be ignored and you mustn't respond because it will no, do your head work. in, Pete. Right, so so here we go. So we're in the middle of the share purchase plan. Open today, closed on December the 19th. You can apply for up to $30,000 worth of stock at three and a half cents and that would raise another three million that will see you through too and and you you're making another rod for your back the second quarter uh, first half sometime probably i'm guessing late first half next year for a decision to proceed after which i, I can tell you having seen you do these things before uh, if you get to that decision to proceed and the financing appears the share price isn't going to be sitting at three and a half cents so that is my hope and i am a shareholder just to disclose uh, that is my hope your hope and all our members hopes uh, of course. Now, I've got a couple of other little questions for you, Pete. Go ahead. The nickel market, uh, any idea where you think the nickel price is going? Uh, what, and at what price does the nickel price uh, going to cause you pain? I don't think we're going to see a price that's going to cause us pain. I think the days of sort of 4 and $5 nickel prices are, are long gone. You need a price north of 25,000, which is, you know, call it uh, 10 bucks a pound, you know, in that sort of plus that for the incentive price of nickel to get all this new production on stream to meet the demand. I mean, where's the 1.7 million extra tons of nickel going to come from in the next um, seven years if we don't have a higher nickel price? It doesn't come. And then all the car manufacturers, their whole business model is is blown up because they need the nickel. So it's an interesting situation, but I think what we're looking at is, is you know, it was a phrase that was coined many years ago by an old um, uh, industry stalwart, a guy called um, Owen Hegarty. He called it stronger for longer. And I, and I think we are moving into a, a nickel price cycle where it is going to be stronger for longer. And I think it, we are going to see prices which are, you know, well in excess of, of this $10 a pound nickel or, you know, 20 to 25000 because if you don't have those prices, you're not going to get the massive amount of capital invested to deliver the, the nickel that's needed. It's like all commodities. It's like rare earths. It's like, um, you know, um, it, pretty much anything else around at the moment that's going to require all that capital has to have higher prices. Otherwise, the bankers and the share market won't fund the investment. And I've, I've seen your charts, Pete, and other charts, but it is the, the swing factor has been electric vehicles, the growth in electric vehicles. And that seems unstoppable, although I personally feel electric vehicles are soulless and I will try never to drive one. I'm sure I'll end up in one probably next year. Um, uh, uh, another question, and uh, this is one I love to ask CEOs, and you gave me a great one last time. Uh, if you could buy one stock that wasn't your stock, but yes. uh, is almost certainly for you in the resources sector, what stock would it be? Um, well, I think I gave you 29 medals last you time. You did give me 29 medals, yeah. Which was good. I should have bought more myself. 
Um, yeah, the um, what well, they 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 say, Peter, one good idea a year is a good year, and that's yeah. all I needed to know. When the average return from the stock market is five point seven seven percent plus dividends, you get one twenty nine metals right. Go hard, you're done. You're so, uh, right. so what's so what's this podcast? Uh, ah, stock that's, stock well, I, I think you know the uh, apart from obviously Poseidon at three and a half cents a share, which I think is a is very very good buy. Look, I, I still think, you know, and again, I'm a vested interest, but Panoramic at 20 cents is, is great buying. I mean, that looks to be seriously undervalued relative to, say, a Mincor or some of these other projects which which are up and running. So I think there's a lot of upside there. Um, but again, you know, I've got a bit of a vested interest because I'm, I'm a shareholder there as well. Um, outside of that, I, I do think the, uh, the the copper sector, you know, getting exposure to copper, um, and you know, we've obviously seen Oz Minerals, the takeover by BHP there. Now that's obviously for predominantly copper, but there's also a nickel flavour to that with the, the West Musgrove project being a nickel and copper um, concentrate producer potentially. Uh, but yeah, I, I just still like copper. Copper assets is is, and I can't specifically think of a but you put me on the spot a bit, but um, uh, yeah. well, I'll, I'll give you one, Pete. We own it okay. in our ideas portfolio, Sanfar. So yeah, S- yeah. SFR. Yes. So we, yeah. we've got that as a. Yeah, you've got a. There's a copper boom. You've got, you've got to play yes. a copper stock. So we, we picked out that. Yeah, I think that's good. And I think you know, as I said to you before, I think uh, uh, Panoramic at, at twenty cents looks looks very undervalued uh, given the, the the growth profile and the nickel price going forward. And you know, this, the startup's been lower than they anticipated for all the. Reasons why our feasibility study was delayed, but you know they get they're getting into the ore body now and they're starting to ramp up production at Van North. I think that's really critical. Gold's having a really good run at the moment, and some of the gold stocks have obviously done incredibly well. I wonder how much of that is driven by the collapse of the some of these crypto things and and people sort of circulating back to, to gold again, which I think is amazing. And there's some undervalued gold stocks if if you're, you're going to plug in some higher gold prices. But you're absolutely correct. There is a as as much as they need, we need more nickel we also need a lot more copper for the electrification of the world not only the cars but also you know the whole um, grid system and everything else that's required the amount of of, um, of copper needed is is um, um, exponential in terms of current production so I'm I'm a copper bull I'm a nickel bull I'm a, I'm a every every commodity that's in an electric car a bull so rare earths for the batteries I'm oh, sorry for the motors uh, lithium, graphite, now everything looks incredibly good, and the electric vehicle revolution is not stopping. Uh, it's 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 a you know it's now factored in, and you know what we've got to do is we've got to get those commodities out of the ground. So we need those prices to be maintained so that we can fight finance the development. And a lot of these developments are going to be green fields. We're in a unique situation that we've got you know, two two processing plants, two develop mine so we can restart both Black Swan and Lake Johnson for much lower costs and a much shorter time frame than a Greenfields project is going to take to, to build and and, uh, and the cost to finance it. Well, there you go, everyone. Peter Harold, the bull. You've always been one of the most positive people I've ever known, Peter. <laughs> Uh, perfect as the CEO of an explorer. <laughs> no. Well, not an explorer, an explorer, we're a developer. Sorry, not a yeah, developer. developer, right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, they picked you perfectly for that role. I, I wish you every success. I'm sure this uh, SPP will go off. I'm sure this podcast will help our members to decide to subscribe to that or not. 
Uh, if people want to contact you, Pete, you do have on your website, don't you, a put your email address in form, yes, don't you? we do. And, and there's an info at, at Poseidon on the website, and that comes through to the uh, administration staff. And, and I, I, I try and answer every one of those that comes through. Uh, good, a fabulous job. We'll leave it there, Pete. Good luck with everything. I'm sure, I hope, in the second quarter of next year, we'll be having another podcast talking about your decision to proceed on the funding and the share price will be well ahead of what it is now. I'm sure everyone will just wait for that to unfold. Meanwhile, we have an opportunity with the nickel price going up and the Poseidon nickel share price on its lowest for a while to pick the stock up at a wonderful moment. Peter, thank you very much. And we will be speaking to you next year. Have a fabulous Christmas from all our members. You are holding their retirements in your hands, sir. No pressure. It, th th thanks, Marcus. Again, thanks for all your support this year and, and the opportunity to speak to you, all of your subscribers. And it, same to you. We wish you and the family uh, all the best for 2023. Fabulous. Cheers, Pete. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thank you.